There's a lot we can learn from Elijah and Elisha. So the title, of course, of our lesson this morning is taken out of verse 17 of the text I'm about to read, where Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. So that's kind of the theme to this morning's message, that the Lord would open our eyes and the people of faith. So let's have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to read 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 18. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. As always, Lord, we're thankful for your goodness to us. We're thankful for your mercy, and we're thankful for your grace. We ask and pray your blessing now upon our Bible study hour. Draw each of us closer to you. We pray for the Sunday school classes taking place downstairs. Bless each teacher and be with the students. Help them to learn more about you, to be drawn closer to you. Uh, bless the morning worship service today and the junior church hour. We pray for any person that's here today or who might be watching on the live stream that has never received Jesus as their Savior. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd move in their hearts, that you'd cause them to realize their lost condition their need of a Savior, and today they would call upon Jesus, claim Him as their Savior, and be forgiven of their sin, be born again into the family of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel. He telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go, spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, say, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the, and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Let's pray. Oh, we already prayed once. Let's pray again. Lord, again, bless the, bless the lesson this morning. Help me to gather my thoughts now and just um, bring the lesson in such a way that it's profitable to us. Help us to learn and glean from it again. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, on your handout in the introduction. So one of the great needs that you and I have is to trust God and to live by faith as believers. We're told in God's word that we're to, to live by faith. We're to walk by faith. So faith in God's word and faith in who God is. So when we talk of faith, one of the most well-known scripture verses, of course, is found in the book of Hebrews. Why don't we say this verse out loud together? It's on your handout. All right, ready? Let's begin. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And certainly in this particular account in the Old Testament with regards to Elisha, he's going to teach this young man that's with him uh, what it means to live by faith. And he's going to teach them about things that we, there are things that are going on around us, sometimes that we don't necessarily see them, not with our physical eyes, but the Lord wants them wants us to see them with our spiritual eyes, uh, if you will. William Burkett, the Bible commentator, said this. He said, faith realizes the invisible realities of another world in our minds. I was, I, before I read the, any further, there's a friend of mine who's a, who posted something the other day, and uh, he said, my brain has already arrived in heaven. It's just waiting for my body to catch up with it. I thought that was really good. You know, he's living, his thinking is heavenly, his body is earthly, and uh, one day his body's going to catch up and when, he, when he goes to be with the Lord. That's living by faith. So anyhow, let me start that again. Faith realizes the invisible realities of another world unto our minds and causes us to believe them as strongly as what we see with our bodily eyes. That a lively faith gives such a reality certainty, and present being to, to things hoped for and yet to come, as if they were visibly seen and actually enjoyed. Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Paul wrote that to the Ephesians, you know, it's just in encouraging them to live by faith. So in the text that we read with regards to Elisha, you understand what's happening here. The king of Syria is attacking Israel, and um, he has um, uh, got a plan to attack, and Elisha, the Lord speaks to Elisha, and Elisha, um, he brings word to the king of Israel regarding what the Syrians are going to do. The Lord's given him foreknowledge to be able to warn the king of Israel. And he says in verse 9, Beware that thou, thou pass not such a place, for the Syrians are coming. And, of course, that's how the Lord works, right? The Lord knows, um, the, he know, I think, it, where is it, in the book of uh, in Isaiah, I might be wrong, but the Bible says that the Lord knows the very end at the beginning. He already knows our tomorrow. He already knows our next week. He already knew the plans here of, of the Syrians. And so he speaks to Elijah, and Elijah speaks to the king, and he, and he warns him, and that's what the prophet of God does. In fact, you know that some of the preaching of God's word, some of the purpose of it is not only to edify us and build us up in the faith, it's also to warn us, to be on guard, um, I think it was Paul that said he ceased not to warn them every day. 
And so that is part of what preaching and teaching of God's word is. And so he says that in verse 9. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once nor twice. In other words, this didn't just happen one time or two times. This was a regular thing. It was, it was a warning that he would give. It's kind of interesting, though, because if you know anything about the history of the kings of Israel, at this particular time, Israel has split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom is Israel, and the southern kingdom is Judah. There was not one king of Israel that was a godly king. They were all ungodly kings. And yet here's the man of God warning uh, the king of Israel not to go to where he was going to go because the Syrians are there. And it's interesting that the king would listen. He would listen to Elisha with regards to protecting himself against an earthly enemy, but he wouldn't listen to Elisha when Elisha preached the word of God when, it, when he was dealing with an, etern an eternal enemy, meaning death and hell. You understand what I mean by that? He took this advice about the armies, but he, didn't take, he wouldn't take the preaching of Elisha seriously with regards to the idolatry that was in the land and the paganism that was in the land. And um, that can be true uh, of people It's uh, with regards to that. So this is the warning, you know, that's given here. So in verse 11, it says the, heart, the, 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 the king of Syria, the heart of the king of Syria was troubled for this thing. It's like, how come they know every move we're going to make? There must be a spy in, in my ranks here. And um, he was troubled by this. He called his servants in verse 11. And who is it, he says at the end, who is it that's for the king of Israel? Which one of you is betraying me? And then one of his servants said, no, king, it's, it's none of us. It's this guy, Elisha. He's a prophet. And God, is, God is, must be speaking to him and telling the king of Israel the words that thou speak in the bedchamber. Like, he knows everything that you're thinking and saying. And isn't that true about God? He knows everything that you and I are always thinking. And we can't hide anything from God. God knows our thoughts. And he does, not only does he know our tomorrows, he knows our todays, and he knows what we're thinking and what our attitudes are. And, and he can't hide. Everything is open um, with the God with whom we have to do. So there's no way to hide these things from God, the good and the bad. And um, so the king of, of Syria here, he's just like, well, let's, let's, we got to take care of this. And uh, he said, verse 13, go and spy where he is. Let's find him. Let's go get him. Let's, catch, let's capture him. Now, think about that for a minute. The king has just realized, he's just been convinced. He's just been convinced that this Elisha, the prophet, he knows every move he's going to make. And so what does the king say? Well, let's go fetch him. Well, if Elisha already knows every move the army's going to make, don't you think Elisha also knows that, the, that they're going to come and try to get him? So... I don't know what the king's thinking here, but he sends this whole army, and he's not thinking is what he is. He's, he wants to catch this guy, Elijah, and, and, and get rid of him. He sends, he sends his army to, to find him, and he goes to the city of Dothan, and they surround the city. Well, let's just stop there for a minute. So some things on your handout. First, uh, point number one is the presence of God. 
Listen, you and I should always be thankful for the presence of God in our lives. Amen? And the Bible says when we accept Jesus as our Savior, He's promised never to leave us nor to ever forsake us. And that uh, He'll be with us from now and all throughout eternity. But we're also mindful of the fact that we have an adversary just like the Israelites had an adversary. In fact, that's a theme throughout the Bible. You see this theme of there's always an adversary with regards to the people of God, whether it's in the Old Testament and, and the Hebrews or in the New Testament, the adversaries to the church uh, and to, to the things of God. And today we live in a day and age where we're just surrounded, it seems, by adversaries that hate the things of God and the Word of God and the, and the principles of God. So we shouldn't be surprised by that. So there's nothing new. There's always been an adversary. Right from, right from the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden, there's been an adversary to the human race, to, to mankind. And the Bible tells us that. In Ephesians, Paul writes these things, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There's a spiritual warfare that we're all engaged in and that we need to be aware of that and to be on guard with regards to that. And um, it's all around us. It's always been since the fall of mankind. So this is the battle that we're engaged in, and this is the battle that's being engaged here. But we have, we have, you know, when I was reading some things not long ago with regards to when we were in Afghanistan, and, and um, one of the advantages, uh, I don't know how it all worked, but one of the advantages that the um, United States had was that they could, they had uh, satellite technology that could, determine where the enemy troops are. And they would know. I'm assuming that's how it worked. I mean, Seth, you were in, you were there. Uh, did it work that way? I mean, was there, was there um, that, that advantage from that perspective? Not that you were aware. All right, well, I was doing some reading about it, and, and apparently they could they could detect uh, troop movements and, and things of that nature. So, um, but that's how God works. And God knows. And God knows the battle that we're, that we're engaged in. And so we have this adversary that, that we deal with and that we fight against. But the second point to the presence of God is not only do we have an adversary, but praise the Lord, we have an advocate. Anybody know what the word advocate means? An advocate. If you have an advocate, what does an advocate do? Yeah, they represent you. Or they plead your, your case. They plead your case. They're an intercessor. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. The Lord's watching out for us. 
He's open unto our prayers. He is our advocate. Proverbs says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And that's really the principle that's laid out here with regards to the foreknowledge that Elisha had regarding the Syrians and what the Syrians were doing and the warning that he gave to the king of Israel, telling the king to be careful and to, to be on guard and to be watchful. And um, we have that advantage as well as we go through this life. We have an adversary. We have to deal with the adversary. But we don't have to deal with the adversary on our own. We have an advocate. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives that uh, gives us the advantage of dealing with that. But then also, we're mindful of the protection that we have of God. The protection. So what happens here in the account? So the Bible says in verse 14, Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and they compassed the city. So this army comes of Syrians and they encircle the city. We don't know how many there were except that the Bible says it's a great host. And um, when the servants of the man of God or the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, Behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servants said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? So in other words, the, the servant says to Elisha, we're, we're surrounded. How are we going to get out of this? We're in big trouble here. And um, the words of Elisha in verse 16, And he answered and he said, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. So the protective hand of God. There are times in our lives where it seems like the circumstances of life are just absolutely overwhelming. Like we're just encircled with issues and things that are happening. And just sometimes fear can set in. Fear in our lives. I've been listening to... Uh, uh, a fellow who's a Christian singer, and he wrote a song, and uh, the title of the song is called Fear is a Liar. And um, my kids tell me, Dad, you know, I told, the guy's name is Zach Williams, and, and, uh, and I just found out about him. My kids say, Dad, you're like six years behind the times here. <laughs> but I really enjoy his music, and that's one of his songs, Fear is a Liar. And it's so true. That's what fear does. Fear lies to us. Fear tells. Fear tries to convince us there's no answer. There's no solution. There's no way out of this. Fear tries to tell us God's forsaken us. Fear tries to tell us that uh, God doesn't even love us any longer. Um, that's, the tool, that's the tool of the enemy. You and I, the Bible tells us that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So one of the blessings of having an advocate is when fear begins to creep into our lives and we know what the Word of God says, we, we can take the Word of God and when fear begins to overwhelm us, that's, how, that's, how, that's the blessing of knowing God's Word. Well, wait a minute. The Bible says, here's another verse, perfect love casteth out fear. 
God loves me. I don't need to have fear because God loves me. There is no fear in love. And, and so we, we remember, we're brought back to our attention, the, the scriptures that God, that God gives us. The psalmist, David, he said this, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What, what can man do unto me? He asked that question. What can man do unto me? Or the psalmist said in Psalm 56, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. The psalmist said, it's not on your handout, in Psalm chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I will not be afraid of 10,000 people that have set themselves against me. And Elisha knew that God was on his side. If God be for us, then who can be against us? These are all verses that are found in God's word that if we memorize these or we've read them, the Holy Spirit brings these back to our memory. And that's how we deal with the issues of fear. Someone said the opening of our eyes will be the silencing of our fears. And that's about to happen here. This young man that's with Elisha, his eyes are going to be opened. And when our eyes are open to the presence of God in our lives, and when our eyes are open to the protection of God in our lives, it allows us to just move forward with whatever we're dealing with, whatever we feel that we're encircled with and surrounded by. But it's a great tool of the enemy, fear. You know, what's the worst that man can do to you? He can kill you, Right? That's the worst thing that man can do to you as a Christian. He can kill you. So what happens if you die? Huh? Yeah, you're going to be with the Lord. That's the worst thing that can happen. You, you can, this old body that you have, which is going to wear out sooner or later anyhow. And what? If you read anything about the missionary movement in America and England in the 1800s, they, they were the missionaries that went, they were fearless. They knew, they knew that their lifespan probably wasn't going to be a long lifespan. They were going to places that the climate and the disease and the dangers were great. And the probabilities of them surviving, and many of them, they lost... The, family members on the mission field and children on the mission field. And... But to be absent from the body, it's to be present with the Lord. We live in a world today that people, they're afraid of dying. Now, I'm not looking forward to, I'm not, I'm not, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, well, I hope I die pretty soon. But the reality is we're all going to die one day. And do we, it, we, we, we certainly had better be sure that we're not afraid of where we're going, that we know for sure that we've trusted Jesus as our Savior and we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. And yet we live in a world today that people are they're, they're just fearful. They don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Well, we don't have to, and not supposed to live that kind of a life. But then you notice the second sub-point under the protection of God is the word fight. And the fight, the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. 
And when we're connected to the Lord and we're, and we're walking by faith and we open our eyes, that's what Elisha wanted him to see in verse 17. So this young man, he is scared. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. All of a sudden, he looks around and he sees all around them are an, a host, an, an angelic host. But he didn't see that with his fleshly eyes. He saw that with his spiritual eyes. And you and I, we need to ask the Lord at times to be sure that we're, our eyes are open as he's working in our lives. The scriptures say, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes. Listen, the Lord has equipped us. He's equipped us for the battle. So earlier I quoted out of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6.12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then it goes on in Ephesians, and it talks about the armor of the Lord. So let me ask you this morning, somebody tell me, and if you can remember in the book of Ephesians, just somebody tell me one piece of the armor. What is one piece of it? Yeah, our loins are to be girt about with truth. That's one piece of the armor that God's provided for us. What else? What's another piece? That's one of them. Very good. The breastplate of righteousness. We've been equipped with that. That's the Lord's armor. What else? The, so we have our loins are girt about with truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. What else? Somebody other than Mike. The helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. What else? The sword of the Spirit. Very good. What else? Our feet shod with the gospel. Very good. That's five pieces so far. What else? The shield of faith. That's six pieces. Did we get them all? I think we might have got them all. Six pieces. So we're equipped. The Bible has equipped us. So here's again how this works. We're surrounded by circumstance or whatever it might be. Fear creeps in. We're mindful. Wait a minute. Our loins are to be girt about with truth. We have the shield of faith. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the helmet of salvation. We have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We're equipped. The Lord's given us that. And it has been said uh, often, there's no armor for the, our backside because we're always supposed to be pressing forward, pressing forward, pressing forward. And so we understand that the Lord has equipped us. It's the Lord's fight. We go to the Lord and we let him deal with the issues that are in our lives. There are strongholds in our lives. And these strongholds at times uh, seem overwhelming. But we, we have to ask, Lord, open, open my eyes that I can see how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to deal with this? 
And so that's what's happening here. And this young man, he sees this. But then the third, the third point in our lesson is the provision, the provision of God. So we've kind of touched on that already with the armor. But first, here, these are ministering spirits that have come. And uh, these ministering spirits, they are, they are angels, angelic beings. They are going to, they're going to help uh, this situation here. And the scriptures tell us, Psalms 34, 7 on your handout. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Or Hebrews, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? That's the ministry of angels. You know, there are different types of angels, seraphims, cherubims, the living beings, the holy ones. But angelic beings, they're not, they, they minister. That's, that's, they're used of God to minister. And um, many years ago, I remember reading a story of some missionaries in uh, Africa, and they got caught up in a tribal war. And um, the, the man thought for sure that uh, his family, were, they were going to die. And so they began to pray and, and seek for God's deliverance and just beg God for that deliverance. And um, this, this one group, uh, of this one tribe that was coming towards them, they just stopped. And they turned around and they all went the other way. Some years later, that missionary went to that tribe and won those people to Christ. And he said to them, he said, why on, I, that was us that day when you were coming and we thought we were going to be killed. And he said, why didn't you kill us? And I don't remember all the exact details, but it went something like this. He said, the tribal leader said, we had every intention of killing you. But those, and I forgot the number, but I'll just use the number, those six shining beings were standing in between you and us. And we turned around out of fear and we left. That kind of thing happens. We don't always see it happen. But that kind of thing goes on. You know, the Bible tells us that we can entertain angels unawares. There's a spiritual world that takes place all around us. And uh, that's what ministering spirits are. Um, they're there to minister to us. And we should be thankful for that. And so that's what's happened here. When the man's eyes are opened up, he sees full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down, verse 18, the Bible says, And Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the words of Elisha. So not only do we have the benefit of ministering spirits, but, and you'll forgive me, I, it's a misprint on my, there's two misprints on this next point. It, it's not that we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit. I think, you figure, I think you all figured that out. And then Zechariah is misspelled as well. I, that, one I, that one I missed. Steve filled me in on that one. But, but that's the blessing of, of knowing the Lord, that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and directs us and speaks to our heart. And what a, what a joy and privilege that that is. 
Zechariah said, not by might nor power, but my spirit, say of the Lord of hosts. We just, we just need to always endeavor to be sensitive to the leading and to the guiding of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Isn't it interesting? The young man, his eyes were open, and the army of the Syrians, their eyes were closed. And uh, it says in verse 19, Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Now, personally, I believe when he said that their eyes were closed, that they weren't physically blind. I think it's, it's kind of like Jesus said, you, thou has eyes, but thou cannot see. Because obviously they would have had been able to see to get from Dothan all the way to Samaria. I'm sure that they, they, this is probably thousands of, of, of soldiers and thousands of soldiers are being led miles and miles and miles away. And so I think there was a blindness with regards to what they were doing. They just didn't understand what was going on here. Uh, but maybe not. Maybe they were all blind and maybe they all took one another's hand and one person led them. But the reality is there they are now. They've come to Samaria. And then the Lord, or Elijah says, now, Lord, open their eyes. And in verse 21, it says, the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, my father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? So apparently what's happened, this army has been transported from Dothan to Samaria. The king of Israel now is there. He has probably encircled them with his army. And he's asking, shall I kill them all? They're the enemy. And it's interesting what happens here in verse 22. It says, And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou whose, whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? In other words, he said to the, Israel, to the Israelite king, Wait a minute, if you had captured people, and you, wouldn't you have given them quarter? Wouldn't you have, they have surrendered. You wouldn't kill them. And uh, set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared a great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. So you talk about heaping coals of kindness upon your enemies. That's what happened here. He's actually turned their, he's turned their enemies, at least in this instance, to their friends. And uh, Jesus said, for you and I to do that, to love our enemies, to pray for them who despitefully use you. And uh, so they're treated well here. And they leave and they would never come back to try to capture Elisha. Now, in the next lesson, you're going to see that the king of, Is the king of Syria really didn't get it. He ends up coming back and he'll, and he'll be defeated. He, he, will have, um, he will have rejected, really, the mercy that God had placed upon him, him and his army. And um, we'll see that in, in the next lesson here. But the point of this whole thing was the eyes of the young man needed to be open. 
and your eyes and my eyes, they just need to be open to, they not only need to be open to the things of God, they need to be open to the people who are around us and um, to the needs that are around us. I had, uh, I'll just kind of leave you with this, I had an opportunity this week to share my testimony and invite uh, a young man to church who was doing some work for me. And uh, he was at my house for two different days, and, um, and there was four other men that were there with him as well. But uh, there was just something different about him. And uh, he came early the second day, and I told him I was a pastor and, and didn't really get to share my testimony that day. But he came back early the second day, and he wanted to talk to me about spiritual things. And I had been thinking about him the night before, and like the Lord was speaking to my heart, like, you know, you need to speak to this guy. And uh, so I said, yeah, you know, it's funny that you came because I was thinking about you last night, and I wanted to just to talk with you. And, um, and he shared a little bit about his life. He claims to be born again, and, and, uh, and, and so on and so forth. And I don't get into the whole conversation because it's personal. But... Um, I guess the point of that is we just need to be sensitive. For the, we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes to the people who are around us. Like, do you, do you pray for that? Do you pray for God to be able to use you to reach someone for the Lord? You know, it's, it, it, we, can get caught, we can get caught up in the whole idea that we're just surrounded in an ungodly world. And forget to ask God to open our eyes and try to, to reach people. And we could just kind of hunker down. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Look at the world. It's just a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. The world's always been a mess. But we just need to look around. There's people who, who are hurting, who need the Lord, who need, who need, not only their eyes need to be opened, but our, our eyes need to be opened. And how do you see people? The bottom of your handout, Acts 26, 18, the Bible says, the scriptures say, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sin. We're mindful of the fact that the Bible says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, small g, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel which is the image of Christ, should shine in unto them. So let me challenge you this morning. When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? Or gave them a gospel track? Or invited them to come to church? Maybe you just need a minute and say, Lord, open my eyes to that again. Open my eyes to that, to the people who are around me. Yes, go ahead. Exactly, Terry. When, when we are fulfilling God's purpose and role for our lives, that's, that's exactly what we're doing. We're advocating for others. We're trying to draw others to the... We're the advocate small a. We're trying to draw others to the advocate capital A. Uppercase A. We're the lowercase. He's the uppercase. Because um, that's what we do. We advocate. We advocate. And... Uh, because we have an advocate. So anyhow, that's, what's that's, our, that's our lesson for today. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you again for this day and every day that you give us. Open our eyes.
Help, help us to live by faith, not only in our personal lives, but our public life, uh, with those who are around us, just to be used of you, um, despite, despite the circumstances we find ourselves in. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.